Hello, and welcome to RCM Chat by AGS Health. Join us as we dive into the most pressing challenges facing revenue cycle leaders today. You will hear from industry veterans as they discuss the revenue cycle news, trends, and insights that can help you overcome your challenges and optimize your revenue cycle to keep cash flowing smoothly and your bottom line healthy. So sit back and let's rev up your revenue cycle. Hello and welcome to the RCM Chat Podcast brought to you by AGS Health. I'm your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney. And today we're talking about E&M 2023 code changes and impacts. We will take a closer look there and have some great information for you today from two great guests that I'm happy to bring on. Lee Poland is the Vice President of Coding Service Line for AGS Health. And Linga Prabhu is Executive Director for Coding at AGS Health. Thank you both for being with me today. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here and talk about one of the um, industry trends right now um, concerning the new um, 2023 ENM guidelines. So thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. Great to have you both here. So let's get started. But before we do, I think it's always nice to hear a little bit about our guests. So starting with you, Lee, can you give us a brief bio before we kind of get into the Q&A? Absolutely. Um, my name is Lee Poland, I'm VP of Coding Services at AGS Health. I've had the pleasure of working at AGS now for about 10 years and have been in the revenue cycle management space for about the last 25 years. Um, my previous employment was involved with um, healthcare organizations like Paraline, ISIS, um, Stewart Healthcare. Um, and I have my RHIA, my CCS, um, my CDIP, and as well as an AHIMA-approved um, ICD-10 trainer. Um, but thank you so much for um, having us today, Michelle. My pleasure. What about you, Linga? First of all, uh, thanks for hosting me here today. Uh, I'm Linga, Executive Director, Medical Coding at AGS Health. Uh, I have close to 20 years of experience, out of which my first couple of years have been with physiotherapy. Uh, as I completed bachelor's in physiotherapy and uh, did clinical practice in physiotherapy for a couple of years before I got into uh, revenue cycle management. Uh, and with RCM, I started off as a medical coder, got opportunity to work on multiple specialties in uh, professional coding. Uh, I'm a certified professional coder from AAPC and a certified uh, project management professional from PMI. Uh, out of those 18 years, my first 10 years was with uh, E4E Nittany, uh, and then last eight years I've been with uh, AGS Health. Uh, at AGS Health, I manage operations for professional coding, uh, and it's been close to eight years. I've enjoyed my journey with uh, AGS Health. Uh, I, I've worked with Lee on several initiatives when it comes to coding services and training. Uh, excited to be part of this uh, uh, you know, session and looking forward for it. Thank you for having us here, Michelle. Yeah, once again, my pleasure. And I'm excited to get into the conversation because you mentioned you and Lee working together. And I think, you know, both of you are going to have a great conversation about this. And I'm happy to kind of be a part of, part of it and lead things along. So let's start off with this. You know, we're talking about changes because change is inevitable. So let's get into it. What changed in 2023 on AM guidelines? And then how is this different from the old guidelines? Well, so there, this is a significant change in 2023 guideline. We have almost come across five months down the line since got implemented in 2023. Uh, but if, if you look back the history track, uh, the last 
guideline that was implemented for ANM was in 1995 and 1997. It's almost 25 years since uh, a major change was done to ANM. There have been small updates year on year, but this is a significant change. And if you ask me, in my opinion, this change is very important. Uh, there has been a lot of uh, things that was not needed, which has been removed. Uh, most importantly, elimination of history and physical uh, from calculating the AM levels is the biggest change, and some additions to the way time needs to be calculated, where the major changes, you know, comparing it to the uh, old guideline. Now, 95 and 97 guideline is gone, and we have uh, 2023 guideline, the biggest change. It, the biggest impact is it reduces a lot of time and efforts for the physicians as well as for the coders and for the administrative workers like scribes as well. So this is a significant change. Uh, everybody was looking forward for this for so many years. Now we have it. We have uh, embraced it and we are almost uh, down the line uh, in the learning curve. Do you want to add anything to this? Absolutely. And as Linga noted, um, some of the key changes were definitely um, regarding the history and physical, as well as the um, time calculation. And also, as Linga noted, I mean, major changes, um, as you can imagine, not touching um, the E&M guidelines and making significant changes for almost 20 years, and then completely revamping um, those particular guidelines has definitely been a learning curve for physicians, for coders, um, for um, you know, staffing as well. A couple other things I would just note um, regarding the guideline changes is um, observation. The observation codes were actually um, merged with um, the inpatient codes, so they do not have their separate section any longer within the ENM code set. And so now we see a code set that mentions inpatient and observation coding. And then one of the things um, I've been in AAPC HealthCon. Um, this particular week, and then also um, in talking with our clients, one of the areas where um, coders really struggle is with that um, MDM table and some of the definitions and terms within that MDM table. So, for example, you'll see a term like acute uncomplicated illness or injury. And so um, um, AMA has clearly defined those terms in the new guidelines of what is an acute uncomplicated illness, what's a stable acute illness. And those are just a few examples. And there's an exhaustive list um, within the ENM guidelines. One of the things I will say um, in listening to several of the webinars is they would like for AMA to kind of give us further examples um, of what is a stable acute illness, even though they define it. Um, they really would like to see some of those, um, you know, additional terms or additional um, illnesses that kind of fall within that particular category. But very interesting to read through the changes. And, and Linga and I could actually probably talk a couple of hours regarding the E&M guidelines. But as, as a high level, those are some of the things that really stood out to us um, regarding the updates. So with the update, Linga, you had mentioned the new updates, the basically not being necessary now to have history and physical examination documented. So let me ask you this, because with the new, I'm curious about the old. Do the 2023 guidelines mean that the 1995 and 1997 guidelines are completely obsolete? Well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, answer is yes and no. 
at this point in time where we are standing five months down the line since it got implemented uh, for any date of service after 2023 you know this guideline is only 2023 guideline is only applicable whereas if we have to work on some denial management or any post submission audits which are date of services prior to 2023 for inpatient and which are date of services prior to 2021 for outpatient uh, then there is a need for using 95 and 97 guidelines because that's what we were following at that point in time so the need for uh, having 95 and 97 is still there for a brief period of time until all the denial management requirements and the post submission audit and requirements are gone then after maybe it might take another 6 to 8 months for that but after that it is all 2023 guideline then you can make it absolute there'll not be any need for 95 and 97 guidelines at all so how do the new 2023 enm guidelines impact physicians the coders and then more specifically you know our whole goal is to to worry about the patient how does it affect all of them including the patients so this this guideline uh, you know change was itself brought into have significant impact on the way physicians are documenting. So it removes a lot of anxiety and the documentation pressure that physicians have. So definitely because they, historically they had to document comprehensive history, comprehensive physical examination, even when the, uh, the level of care is only about to level three or level four. Now there is no need for it. The guideline, new guideline says that history and physical exam needs to be documented only to the level it is medically necessary or medically appropriate for, the, for that particular visit. So this definitely removes a lot of uh, administrative uh, work away from the physician so that they can focus on the medical decision making, which is, which is critical, which is not the only critical, but which history and physical are important, but the most critical part of any outcome of treatment is, is relies on the medical decision making. The physicians can focus more on complexity of the problem addressed on the risk factors towards you know the better outcome of the physician. So that way, this is definitely a, a great relief for physicians and similarly for coders. They don't have to review pages of history and physical examination before landing up to MDM. So now, now that ENM levels can be calculated directly from the MDM, uh, they you know it, it removes a lot of time and effort put on reviewing history and physical, and focus can be only on the uh, MDM. And 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 end of the day, it is this is going to have significant impact on the physician's outcome and treatment. So so it's win-win. Uh, removes a lot of time and effort for for all the stakeholders who are involved in uh, ENM care. And I'll just add to that, um, the AAPC, I was looking um, on that website in preparing, and the term they used regarding the E&M updates is major overhaul. And as you can imagine, um, you know, with coders who have been in the industry 5, 10, 15, 20 years, they're used to those 95, 97 guidelines. And that's a lot um, of changes for this particular year. And so, again, it's that learning curve um, for coders. Um, they need that continuous um, education, continuous support, um, really need audit feedback on um, how to apply those ENM guidelines correctly is critical. And um, we have seen, just as we saw with the change from ICD-9 codes to ICD-10, that dip in productivity, um, and we do anticipate seeing that 
for, you know, two or three months more as coders really get used to um, those new E&M guidelines. And again, how to apply those, um, the, the new codes and the new guidelines um, with their particular account. So just continuously um, working with them with education and with the audit support is critical. What would you say healthcare organizations can do to ensure that they're not missing out on any reimbursements from E&M coding? How can they leverage computer-assisted coding technology? So there were two parts to that question. I'll take the first one first. Uh, so how, how, what healthcare organization do to embrace this? Basically, that was the question. So uh, when, when this started in 2020, I think 2023 was when it was e change was implemented across all the place of services where e care is done. So the initial training was given when, you know, somewhere around November and December so that when we, when we started coding for January date of services was implemented. That is done. Most of health organizations have completed that part of uh, this learning curve first. But what is more important is to have continuous learning because coders have been following uh, this for several years. Lee was pointing that out. 95-97 guidelines for several years and uh, this is a big change. So continuous learning is important based on the feedback, right? That's that's the first part I would say. The second important thing that we have to do is auditing and feedback because it is not when feedback is not only for the coders to you know, embrace this learning curve, but also for the physicians. We had a situation where we were talking to an offer physicians uh, and, and we were trying to give feedback around the need for having only medically necessary history and physical, where some of the providers were still documenting comprehensive history and physical. So, you know, the, the physician was shocked to see that and, you know, assured us that he'll go back to uh, to the doctors and tell them that there is no need for uh, you know documenting comprehensive history and physical uh, when it is not needed it can save a lot of time because it, it's a learning curve for for both the physicians as well as as well as for the coders so auditing and feedback for next three to four months at least is more more important and 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 as healthcare organization we have to take that responsibility as the medical coders we have to take the responsibility to share the trends as to how their workout views are trending, how their total and uh, workout views are trending in compared to what it was in 2022 versus 2023. Because physicians are also concerned how, you know, with, we have been talking about the changes in coding, but they are very concerned about uh, how does it impact? Does it really uh, take away the uh, revenue, take away uh, the R views? Uh, but it is not. What as trend, what we have seen is there is a slight increase in level fours and level fives. Uh, so it is very important to track these acuity trends, uh, compare that with 2022, share that with providers and tell them that this is where we are. So in case if there is a dip or if there is a spike, then it is important for the coders to share those feedbacks on a regular basis so that you know this this can be handled uh, effectively. So that's that's the uh, response I have for the first question. And I think the second question you touched upon CAC, uh, that's a great question because uh, when we look back at our customers, most of them have embraced CAC uh, for on facility coding. Whereas for professional coding, there is very less amount of uh, uh, embracement when it comes to CAC. We are not very sure why that happens, but looking at the simplification of guideline on ENM, I think this is the golden period. A healthcare organization can go ahead and uh, adapt uh, CAC because their guidelines have been simplified. Uh, the things are made easier and, and it, it becomes easy for the system to learn. Machine, machine learning is 
easier now and because enm is all, always considered as uh, you know it's not black and white it's, there's a lot of subjectivity in, involved when it comes to uh, mdm uh, now which is which is kind of uh, you know uh, streamlined and simplified now and uh, i think uh, if if you have to ask me what is the right time this is this is the golden period which we can uh, you know i would recommend all healthcare organization go and adapt csc for uh, professional coding especially on enm right and i'll echo um what linga was mentioning about cac um we have a lot of exposure to clients across the us and we see them investing in tools for um facility coding but where we do not see um, many of our team or you know our clients investing for tools for um, for coding is on the professional side and as linga was mentioning this is a perfect time um, for them to to make that investment not only um, for the enm portion but also uh, another buzzword in the industry right now is risk adjustment coding making sure you're getting um you know capturing all of your diagnosis codes correctly so it's a wonderful tool in order to support your coders in um coding accuracy as well as um coding productivity as well um so cannot say enough about um the you know embracing that tool um one of the other things that i would echo to the first um part of that question and just you know what are healthcare organizations doing to ensure they're not missing reimbursement i would say look at those documentation trends um where do they see opportunities for improvement in regards to um not only the diagnosis piece and making sure that you're coding um documenting to the high specificity where we can pick up um diagnosis codes to the high specificity but also we have noted trends where if the physician would document things just a little bit differently like for example um making sure when there's a test performed documenting the interpretation in their in their documentation um that would uh, help assist them in obtaining a higher level enm um so look for those documentation gaps and see where you need to provide education not only to your coders but also your physicians as well to ensure they're they're not leaving any of those um reimbursement opportunities on the table and that's one thing um Linga and his team are excellent with working with our clients um to help you know share with them some of the documentation trends we're seeing on our end as we're kind of walking through um their charts and and the code assignment. Yeah, great points. And you know, the bottom line is, well, the bottom line of course, we all want the best outcome for the patients at the end of the day. That's the ultimate goal by anybody in this field, but it does come down to revenue. So, we've covered a lot here in this conversation. Any final thoughts as we're wrapping up? Absolutely. Um, you know, coding is always changing. I've been in the industry now for 24 years. and there's never a dull moment um it seems like we have code updates um quarterly yearly twice a year i mean it's always evolving and enm uh, and ama did not disappoint this year um as i noted earlier the term aapc used as overhaul um they did overhaul those enm guidelines and what we feel like um as a team is we're really hoping 
AMA gives us a, a little break next year, maybe for two or three years um, in the changes that they're making um, to those E&M guidelines. Um, so our coders and our physicians can really get acclimated um, to that, that major overhaul. Um, again, it always keeps us guessing, and I guess we'll have to look um, for those updates that um, will be just around the corner um, because we know that those um, begin again um, January 1st uh, of 2024. So um, just really, um, you know, again, we feel like that things will calm down in regards to e &M. Um, so we'll see where, you know, AMA does rehaul, um, rehaul or make major changes for next year. Um, maybe it's with the other sections um, in our CPT code book. So um, it'll be exciting to see. It's one thing I always say, job security for coders. We're, we're always, <laughs> always learning and growing. Um, and um, never again, um, it's an exciting field to be in. I, I kind of echo what uh, Lee, Lee said. I'm positive, positive that there'll not be any further changes with ENM because it's more or less streamlined, made, made simple. So I think the only way forward is adapting CAC uh, and improving productivity. I think that's the way forward as far as ENM is concerned, in my opinion. Yeah. And the one thing we can all pretty much guarantee is that there will be changes, right? <laughs> change is inevitable. We started off the show with that. So I want to thank both of you, Lee Poland, Vice President Coding Service Line AGS Health, and Linga Prabhu, Executive Director for Coding for AGS Health. Thank you so much for being with me today. One final thing before we go, where can people go for more information if they have questions about our conversation, they want to learn more? Absolutely. They can go to um, agshealth.com. Um, they'll find um, resources on the services as well as technology we offer. But there's also um, free webinars and blog posts um, surrounding the E&M code updates. And we're always, um, typically it's usually once a month, offering free webinars on different um, emerging topics in the industry. And typically those are, um, we offer a CEU free to all live attendees. So I would recommend making sure that you sign up for updates um, as well. And then also follow our LinkedIn page. Um, that's where we put a lot of postings regarding where we'll be at different conferences, as well as webinars, as well as um, when a new blog or newsletter post has been released, as well as um, case studies. So those are the two places that I would highly recommend following. Perfect. Lee and Linga, thank you so much for your time. Great conversation. Uh, a lot has changed. And as you both kind of alluded to, uh, more changes will be on the way. So thank you for kind of breaking this down and, and answering some great questions here and, and giving people out there some wonderful information. So thank you. I appreciate your time today. Anytime. So thank you as well. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to the RCM Chat Podcast brought to you by AGS Health. And be sure to subscribe for more episodes, great conversations. But until next time, I'm your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney. And we want to thank you for joining us again. And until then, keep revving up those revenue cycles. We'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.